0: This is SB Nation Radio. The next generation of sports radio. Kelly's going to run right. He hits the goal line. Does he break the plane? He does! Touchdown! This is College Football Game Day. Peppers is in the shotgun. He takes the snap. He runs to the left. It's a sweep. He's to the four to the three. He's in. Touchdown, Michigan. Here are your hosts, Rich Sermonello
1: and Joe Lisi. Championship Saturday is here, and when the dust settles, what four teams will be standing at the end? We shall see this is College Football Saturday. Nothing better. We're live from New York. The Big Apple, the brand new Rock and Riley studio. Rich Sermonello doesn't get better than this. College Football Saturday and playoff implications are on the line. Yeah, playoff implications, Joe,
2: championship implications. I think a lot of coaches will remind us that at the beginning of the season, the, the real goal, the initial goal is win a Big 12 title, win an SEC title, win an American title. Winning that conference championship really matters. Now, those of us in the media, will take it a step further, we'll evaluate, and we'll see what does that mean for that Final Four. But today is really about picking up hardware.
1: Rich and I have a great show planned for you today at 10:30 Eastern Time. We're going to be joined by former Wisconsin running back Anthony Davis. Big Ten championship taking place at 8 o'clock tonight between Penn State and Wisconsin. We'll get Anthony's take about what the Badgers have to do to pick up this battle later tonight in Indianapolis, and more importantly, whether the Badgers or Penn State have an opportunity to cra- possibly crack the top four teams. We'll we'll break it down as well. We'll talk about it in the. Next segment, Rich. But at 11 o'clock, we're also going to be joined, hopefully, by former Colorado wide receiver and running back uh, Mike Pritchett. Mike's out there in Las Vegas. He had an opportunity to watch that game last night between the Colorado Buffaloes and the Washington Huskies. We'll get Mike's take about his thoughts about what Washington did to dominate that victory and, more importantly, the job that Mike McIntyre has done in Colorado this season. 11.30 Eastern Time, we'll be joined by former or uh, Georgia wide receiver Corey Allen we we'll get got Corey's take about the SEC championship game number one Alabama and Florida does the Gators have a, sh- a chance in this battle because not a lot of people giving Florida a shot in this ball game can they knock off the top ranked Alabama Crimson Tide this is what it's all about if you love college football stay with us for the next two hours we'll be here breaking down the conference championships we have some great games on tap starting at 12 p.m eastern time with the aac championship game between navy and temple you could follow me on twitter at go For the two that's the number two you could follow rich on twitter at rich sermonello that's c-i-r-m-i-n-i-e-l-l-o if you want to talk college football with us give us a call 844-843- 6879. That's 844 843 6879. Rich, last night, some uh, critical games. You look at the Pac 12 championship, Washington, a dominating victory. I mean, they pulled away in the second half. It was 14 7 against Colorado. In the second half, they outscored the Buffaloes 27 3 to pick up a 41 10 victory in the Pac 12 championship game. I mean, Jake Browning wasn't as sharp as he was throughout the season, only passing for 118 yards on the ground. But that rushing attack, uh, 265 yards against a solid Colorado defense, number one statistically in the Pac-12, and they forced turnovers, three of them, to pick up the 41-10 victory. And in my opinion, there is no way that Washington will be left out of this playoff. I mean, a convincing win over a top-10 opponent in Colorado Huskies are there with Alabama I think those are the two for me that are solidified in this college football playoff. Off roll Ohio State in there I mean that might
2: be up for debate uh, for you at this point since they didn't even win their division but at this point I, I think if Alabama holds serve in Atlanta you're looking at the Tide the Huskies and the Buckeyes if you're a Big Ten fan if you're looking for that second team if you want the championship game to mean a playoff berth i think you got to root for virginia tech i i think your only opportunity is if clemson loses just to quickly go back to washington Dominant performance at the line of scrimmage in a battle of two physical teams, Joe. Washington, more physical offensively and defensively. And what really impressed me was, you mentioned Jake Browning last night. Not a vintage performance. He's the Heisman candidate. But I like the fact that Washington can beat a very good Colorado team by 31 on a night that their quarterback was average. I think they're going to need that if, in fact, they go on to the playoffs, if they're the number 4 seed and they're facing Alabama, you're going to have to win in different ways other than just with the passing attack in order to beat an Alabama. So I think that on many levels, an important victory for Chris Peterson. First Pac-12
1: title for the Huskies since 2000. Yeah, I want to stay on this topic now because we have some time not as many games as a regular Saturday. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about this Husky team overall because I was very impressed in the offense and defensive line play but more importantly, this was a team that entered that game last night plus 18 and turnover margin. They were tied with Western Michigan for tops in FBS. They won the turnover battle 3-0 over Colorado, and and really that really propelled them in the second half. But you look at the offense and defense of line play. I mean, their red zone defense now in the last two games against Washington State and against Colorado has been lights out. I mean, for teams to move the football consistently in the red zone has been very difficult. Their speed going sideline to sideline line to me is what really stands out above some of the other teams. I just don't understand how I understand the argument about Ohio state and Michigan, how that game played out. But Washington has one loss to USC and they dominated Cal- I mean, dominated them last night, mm-hmm. a top 10 team. How anybody can ever make the argument that Michigan could jump them. I just don't see it in any way, shape or form. I think there's a level
2: of bias that's out there. I I mean, I hate to admit that, but, uh, you know, you and I run in these circles uh, from a career perspective. We talk to a lot of people. I I think especially here on the East Coast, I accept the fact that there is a Pac-12 bias. I think there are folks in a large swath of the country Go down to the South, talk to them about Pac-12 football. What are they going to say? They're going to tell you it's soft, it's finesse. Yeah, they have speed, they have athletes, but they can't compete with that SEC style of football. And I think that mindset exists. I think that That Midwest mindset, that SEC mindset is very different than the Pac-12, but Washington is not your... This is not Oregon. For folks that haven't watched uh, watched Washington, this is a far more complete football team. They're physical. They block well. They tackle well in space. They're outstanding on the defensive line. Look at a player like Vita Vea, the defensive lineman, well in excess of 300 pounds. That's typically the kind of player you would see at a Michigan or at at an Alabama So this is a very good Washington football team. I think they've been disrespected because of the Pac-12 bias, number one. And number two, the non-conference schedule. That's something that has sort of dogged them all season long. That's why beating Colorado, a top-10 team, as badly as they did uh, on Friday night was so important.
1: I agree with you. A- everything you said I agree wholeheartedly, and here's the other thing that I'll bring up about Washington overall. They're, they've played well on the road this year. In order to win these conference championships, and in order to win the, uh, in the playoff games, you need to, teams that have played well throughout the year on the road. You look at Washington, they played in Salt Lake City, they played a very tough Utah team and won that ball game by seven points. They played their yeah. arch rival, uh, Washington State, at the end of the year in Pullman and dominated that matchup. And then earlier in the year, even though it was Oregon, Oregon's down, it was still Eugene, it was still a rivalry game, and they put up a 70 spot on the Mm -hmm. Ducks on the road. So that's what I look at when I look at Washington. If you want to talk about Michigan, I understand out-of-conference schedules, but you look at Michigan, they lost to Iowa. Now, I know Iowa played well down the stretch, but this is an Iowa team that also lost to Northwestern. This is an Iowa team that lost to FCS North Dakota State. So, I mean, we can split hairs there as well and say, well, you lost to Iowa 14 to 13 on the road. That was the same Iowa team that lost to an FCS school. So, I mean, Absolutely right. I mean, uh, you're, you're, you're spot on, Joe,
2: and that, that Iowa, that to me is the key point. This was an average Iowa team this year. I mean, Iowa played well down the stretch in November, but throughout the season, we were all disappointed in how poorly the Hawkeyes played this year. So to lose to that team, yeah, tough spot at night, on the road, uh, I get that. At Kinnick Stadium, difficult game, but you can't lose that game. You can't lose twice including once against an unranked Iowa team, and then try to make a playoff statement. And then real quickly, one other thing that really benefits Washington, if there's even an argument here, would be common opponents. Because Michigan had some struggles with Colorado, eventually pulled away earlier in the season. That was a home game. On a neutral site against that same Buffalo team, Joe, Washington dominated. So if you want to look at common opponents between Michigan and Wisconsin— Huskies have, have acquitted themselves rather well.
1: Yeah, we're just getting started. We'll take a quick break. Also, last night Western Michigan did win the MAC championship, twenty nine to twenty three. Stay with us, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Back on College Football Game Day from the brand new Rock and Riley Studio. If you live in New York, you want to watch college pro football, come down, see us in the studio. This place is legit, state-of-the-art, I mean, one of a kind. It's unbelievable. Come check it out. This is what it's all about. Rich, I want to talk about these, the playoff, the way fans break down the conferences overall. I mean, let's talk about the Big 12 now. I mean, in my opinion, these games today are meaningless. I mean, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, it's a rivalry game, means a lot, but there is no way... Any of these teams, either the Cowboys or the Sooners, make the playoff. You can't make an argument for either of them because of where we stand with the conference championships and Ohio State and Michigan. I mean, am I wrong to say that? Because I think it'll be a great game, but non existent mm-hmm. in terms of the playoff picture.
2: Yeah, I I think that's okay, though. I I don't think the intensity will be any lower in Norman today for the reasons that you mentioned. It's Bedlam. You have uh, outstanding rivalries in that game. The second straight year in which... Uh, this matchup will determine a Big 12 championship. And and then there is that Big 12 title on the line and the major bowl berth that goes along with it. So I, I don't think anyone on either of those ros- uh, rosters right now are thinking playoff. They're thinking rivalry. They're thinking Big 12 title. They're thinking, let's play in a New Year's Six Bowl game.
1: When you look at Oklahoma State and Oklahoma overall, I mean, I guess the creme de la creme, and you could throw West Virginia in there, and you look at some of the other teams in the conference. You look at a team like Kansas State. I want to bring this up now. Somebody brought it up to me yesterday with Bill Snyder. I mean, he's done a great job in coming back, really solidifying uh, the turmoil that Ron Prince had there uh, in in the mid-2000s. And he's brought them back to success. And I don't want to say, I want to say mediocrity for the most part, because they're not mm-hmm. at the top 10 top of the Big 12 right now, but is it, is it time for Bill Snyder to move on, in your opinion, to take the Absolutely next step, to take the no. next step to the, in the Big 12? I, I don't think there is a next step. I think because
2: you're in Manhattan and you don't have that recruiting base, I think it's always going to be very difficult. I think the peak of that program is when Bill Snyder is there, when he eventually decides to hand the baton off. I think it's going to be very difficult. I think it's going to be very difficult for his successor.
1: We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Rich and I will be breaking down all the conference championships Temple, and Navy. We're also going to talk about Alabama and Florida, Virginia Tech and Clemson, and of course, that Big Ten battle between Wisconsin and Penn State. Stay with us. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from New York City, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: You're listening to College Football Game Day on SB Nation Radio. Here are your hosts, Rich Sermonello and Joe Lisi.
1: Back on College Football Game Day, right here from the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Rock and Riley Studio. Rich, we were left off. We were talking about that victory last night between Western Michigan and Ohio. Ohio looking to pick up the Mac Championship for the first time in 49 years. They played very well in the second half. They outscored Western Michigan 16 to 6, but lost that ball game 29 to 23. PJ Fleck and the Broncos move on 13 and 0 at a possible New Year's Day 6 Bowl. Your thoughts about Western Michigan because I really thought that Ohio had the right game plan to beat the Broncos. They got some turnovers late in the second half, but they didn't have enough offense to pull out the victory last night.
2: Yeah, it was a competitive game. I think you and I both thought it was going to be competitive because of that Ohio defense. Frank Solich did a great job of preparing the Bobcats. The defense has quietly been terrific all season long. I wasn't surprised that they were able to sort of slow down Zach Terrell and Corey Davis. Corey Davis was kind of slowed down i mean he's a phenomenal athlete never belonged in the mac uh in in the mid-american conference he was a big 10 receiver all along but you know listen west virginia did what they had to do they got to 13 and 0 they win that first uh mac title since 1988 they're now in position to qualify for the cotton bowl i'd like your opinion on that i mean I i think it has to be Western Michigan Joe I know some people are saying Navy if Navy beats Temple today Yeah, but you run the table and you beat two big Big ten teams I mean they have to be the team.
1: Yeah team. I agree with you I think it has to be Western Michigan I understand the, the mindset about Navy because they knocked off sixth ranked Houston when they were undefeated I understand all of that but this is a Navy team, though. At the early part of the year, it had its struggles, and I know they lost Tago Smith, their quarterback, and Worth has come on, and this team has been playing lights out over the last mm-hmm. eight weeks. They got the victory over Notre Dame, but we see where Notre Dame is at the end of the year. Not even bowl eligible, put up 75 last week on SMU. Here's the thing I mean, when you look at Western Michigan, I mean, you can't argue what they've done this year. They got the victory uh, in Northwestern, and, and that to me, is a solid, solid victory, especially at the early part of the year with the physicality on the offense and defense lines. When I look at Western Michigan overall, I love what they have on terms of the offensive side of the ball in terms of Zach Terrell, uh, Corey Davis. They have Bogan and Franklin at the running back position. This is a team that's explosive. And and, and if you want a a team on New Year's Day that represents all that and plays solid defense and special teams, what a young head coach. Mm-hmm. I think you have to go to Western Michigan. I, I think Navy's in trouble today, and we'll break, that's where I want to go right now mm-hmm. with that ball game. But, I mean, for me, and, and now I know Fleck has been mentioned in, in about Power 5 jobs. He's done a fantastic job, and I know he's a Trestle disciple and he's a former NFL guy. Here's the thing. Is, again, somebody brought it up to me last night. You know, what about Brom in Western Kentucky, what he's done? And, you, yeah. you, I mean, he never gets mentioned for head coaching jobs.
2: Well, I, I, I think that changes on Monday, Joe. I, I expect I expect Jeff Brom to be your next head coach with the Purdue Boilermakers. Oh, so I, yeah. I, I, I think David Blau. <laughs> you'll be talking next fall when we're together on the air. It'll be David Blau led by... Jeff Braum. I expect that to happen early next week.
1: Well, there were reports that it would be Les Miles, and we're going to get into the coaching changes and our thoughts mm-hmm. about the Heisman all next week. But I mean, I never thought that Les Miles was a perfect fit in Purdue. I'm sorry, and when his when his name got mentioned for that job, just didn't think he was the right fit for West Lafayette, even though he was a Big Ten guy. I mean, for me, if I'm looking Les Miles, who what's the perfect fit for Les Miles? I said it the other day to somebody, it's Baylor. Uh, he He was a former coach at Oklahoma State. He had a big play quarterback in Josh Fields and Vernon Morrissey back in the day, and he brought that team to a respectability, and he understands the landscape of Texas recruiting at Louisiana State, and I think he's a perfect fit there now. It's not the same type of wide-open attack, but I still think he can recruit at Baylor and bring stability there, and they'll pay him big bucks. I don't see Les Miles going to an Indiana or a Purdue. You're talking about a guy that had one of the best coaching records over the last 12 years. Uh, And for him to go to Purdue, where it's so difficult to recruit against the likes of Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, I just don't see that happening. So uh, it wouldn't shock me that Jeff Brom goes to Purdue. I think he would be a great fit there. They need Mm -hmm. an offensive mind because they did struggle with offensive continuity. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. But that's what makes this game so special. We have so much to talk about. And And when you look at this battle here, I said it, I think Navy's in trouble today because of the physicality on the offense and defense lines with the Temple Owls. This is a team that has played very well this year, Rich, 3-2 and two overall, and they played two option attacks earlier in the year between Tulane and Army. I think that will benefit this team heading into this matchup.
2: Yeah, that's an excellent point. And, and Matt Rule has done a phenomenal job for folks who thought that this was going to be the drop-off point. No Tyler Matakavich you know, you lose uh, some key defensive players to graduation. But Matt has these guys back in the title game for a second straight year, back for a shot uh, to win a championship and move on to uh, to the postseason I like Navy, though, because if you look at what the Ooh. offense has done over the past couple of weeks, what's the number? I mean, I, I it's it's got to be 140, 141 points in the last two weeks. You earlier mentioned Wilworth has done a phenomenal job since taking over in the opener, really running that triple option for Ken Niamatololo seamlessly. I, I just think a little too much on the ground, a little too much offense. Now, the Navy defense is suspect, and that could be a problem against those Temple backs, but... I like Navy
1: at home today in Annapolis to continue to roll. We're bucking heads here because now, counselor, here's my counter argument to Temple uh, for why I like the, the Owls in this matchup. I mentioned their road record and the physicality on the offense and defensive lines. They're plus three in turnover margin and only allowing 127 yards on the ground. They're pounding the rock for 191 yards between the tackles with Jihad Thomas. You look at that matchup, Navy and South Florida, where they've played a very physical offensive line they had a mobile quarterback quentin flowers they allowed 410 rushing yards in tampa they came back in that ball game much of the second half when they trailed by 24 points but they got dominated in the trenches and i, I to me that's what i like in temple in this matchup coupled with the fact they played in this game last year against houston on the road and lost so I think Matt Rule will understand what they did wrong, how they game planned things that they didn't take the right approach, maybe in terms of breaking down game film. And I think they'll be into this matchup. Now Temple lost that battle to Army Week One, twenty-eight to thirteen. But later in the year against Tulane, they dominated them thirty-one to nothing. So it's a lot different when you're playing the triple option in practice sure. than it is game speed. And Navy runs it better than anybody. But I think those two games will benefit them, and they have the defensive tackle play to disrupt the timing of that triple option offensive line. No, it's a really good point.
2: It's really, I I forgot about the Tulane game. Obviously, Army was eons ago, and they did lose. But against Willie Fritz's offense, they did do an outstanding job. I'll stick with Navy only because they've got the hotter offense. And at this time of year, with so much at stake, Joe, playing in Annapolis will be huge for Navy. Obviously, have never won a conference championship in the academy.
1: History. I, I mean, if you want atmosphere, if you want landscape, if you want to know what college football embodies in terms of a game, watch this game at 12 o'clock on ABC because it doesn't get purer than and this, Temple and Navy, I'm telling you, you better tune in. Rich and I will take a quick break. When we come back, we'll break down the ACC SEC Championships. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from the Big Apple. Keep it where it is, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Back on College Football Game Day, when Rich and I left off, we were talking about Kansas State and Bill Snyder, and I brought up the fact that is it time for Bill Snyder to move on? They have a tough game today on the road in Fort Worth between Kansas State and TCU, Rich. I know a lot of people like Kansas State here. I know they got the victory over Kansas, but to me, I think TCU has a significant advantage in terms of speed. It might be a wet track, but I think TCU wins this ball game by 20 points later today in about an hour and a half. Wow! If
2: if TCU wins by 20, I'm going to have Lacy tattooed somewhere. You better on my get body it ready. Today. I have a tattoo on. Uh, it's down not under. happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, Finish. Tell me where the tattoo artist is. I want
1: it across your chest, okay? Lisa, right. across your chest. Right. 20. It's got to
2: be 20. TCU by 20. Because listen, Kenny Hill's not healthy. Kyle Hicks is not healthy. You know, I've been riding that K State defense exactly. all year long. And on top of it, the offense has begun to contribute a little bit more. Alex Barnes out of the backfield. Jesse Ertz on the ground. We know he's not a great passer. But. The offense is contributing. The defense is better than TCU's D. TCU's strength is going to be that pass rush, that terrific defensive line, but K-State's not going to throw it much. Real quickly on Bill Snyder, he is still the guy there. I mean, I think you're a better program with Snyder there, but my prediction is when he steps down, whether that's this year or next year, I think they're preparing for Brent Venables, a Kansas Really? State- uh, alum, uh, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. I think that would be the most logical pick. That kind of Ron Prince had no ties to Kansas State. I think you need to know that culture, know Manhattan, know
1: how difficult it is to recruit to that place in order to be successful. I agree with you. The only problem I have with Venables is he's such a hot commodity now. Why don't we hear his name mentioned? He was a hot commodity when he was with Oklahoma and Bob Stoops. Mm-hmm. He was mentioned for head coaching jobs. He's getting probably 1.8, 1.7 million as defensive coordinator, but he's done a fantastic job with brand new talent each and every week, each and every year. Just the way Lane Kiffin has at Alabama, he gets mentioned for more jobs than Brent Venables does. Yeah, I, I think the re- same thing with Chad Morris when he was the
2: offensive coordinator at Clemson. Great place to coach. I don't think anyone's in a hurry to leave Dabo Sweeney's staff, so they're waiting for the right opportunity. We're
1: going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You're
0: listening to College Football Game Day on SB Nation Radio. Here are your
1: hosts, Rich Sermonello and Joe Lisi. Back on College Football Game Day, an hour and a half away from the start of the AAC Championship game, I just before we move on, Rich, I think Temple wins this ball game thirty three to twenty. Um, I think the physicality, offensive, defensive lines, and I think Phillip Walker will have a difference in this ball game as well. His mobility put some pressure on Navy's defensive front seven. Look for Philip Walker's legs to make a difference. And I'm calling for the mild upset, even though mm-hmm. I think Temple's the better team. Thirty three to twenty in Annapolis. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't shock me. I'm not that heavy on Navy today. I just like
2: uh, I like the trend of the offense, Joe. I like the, the fact that the game is played in
1: Annapolis. I have it Navy 34, Temple 28. And that's a great stadium. I'm telling you, I love the way the field looks. I love the colors. I, I mean, the, even the, the actual Town. Oh, the actual Every, Everything about
2: it. Yeah, if you could ever get to Annapolis, football game or not, it's one
1: of the great American towns. Unbelievable. Now, if this game was 1992... I think there'd be more excitement. I mean, the SEC championship game, number one, Alabama, number 15, Florida. Nobody's talking about it. Everybody yeah. just, I mean, it's unreal how the SEC in terms of conference championships have seemed to fall off the map here because it's just been dominated yep. by the Alabama Crimson Tide. If it was 1992, Joe Lisi would still
2: be running a 4 6 I'm going to throw that out Very there true. as well. Very That's true. true. <laughs> but, but also, I, I like your point, though, Joe, because I don't want to dog championship games in their entirety. We saw how much it benefited Washington last night. But there is, in the era of playoffs, we do see some of these—listen. Big Ten might not give us a playoff team. Alabama, Florida might be a route. So, yeah, I agree with you. There's just a little less of a pulse about these championship games. That's why I'm actually a little bit more excited about Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Nobody cares about the playoffs. It's solely about hatred. And winning a
1: championship—that's why I'm a little more excited about that match. Well, there's one game that'll get the juices flowing, and it's at eight o'clock tonight between number six Wisconsin, number seven Penn State, Big Ten championship on the line. What better way to break this game down than with the former Badger? He's live on the Progressive Celebrity Hotline. I want to welcome in Anthony Davis, AD. How are you today, my friend?
3: I'm good. What's going on, Joe?
1: Nothing. This is what it's all about, Anthony. Big Ten Championship on the line. Badgers, Nittany, Lions. Before we get your your thoughts about what they have to do, tell me the your your thoughts about what Paul Christ has done this year in turning around this program from uh more of just a mediocre offense to really just a, an offense that seems to wear down opponents in the fourth fourth quarter of ball games this year.
3: Well, uh, Coach Chris is a great offensive coach. He he uses a lot of pro-style formations. Um, He uses a lot of motion before the snap. I think he's got us back to basics in terms of the type of offense and and football program that uh, Barry Alvarez had when he first took the job, you know, uh, being physical at the point of attack, running the football, um, playing mistake-free football, you know, so he's got the offense in tune with that. I mean, he's done a great job. He's a great play caller. He does a good job of finding ways to uh, get his playmakers the ball, you know, and I think uh, he's got some guys that are starting to rally behind him and, and you're really starting to see uh, things switch back over to uh, more of a traditional Wisconsin type of football team. And it's going to be interesting moving forward. I think you're going to see some. So he's going to put some good teams out there.
2: Anthony, Rich Sermonello, can you talk a little bit about the defensive side of the ball? Been so impressed by the consistency of that D. You lose a a Jack Cicci, you know, don't skip a beat. Vince Beagle was hurt early on. What is it about the philosophy, that blue-collar mindset of that defense that is so consistently stout?
3: I think it's the next-man-up mentality, you know. It's the mentality where, you know, Everyone has to be ready to play, and everyone has to buy in. I think they got some great leadership on defense. I mean, the secondary is playing uh, very well. Uh, they'll get tested again today, the but they've been playing well. They've been getting turnovers and making plays when they need to make plays. Before the season started, I, I felt as though we had uh, one of the better, if not the best, linebacking corps in the Big Ten, and that's, and that's missing two of them. You know? So with 60 down, with or with or hurt the first game. You know, we haven't even been at full strength all season, which is the scary part. But uh we have some we have guys that work hard and they, they give hundred percent effort on every play and they and they know what they're supposed to do and they know what they're supposed to do and, and that gets us a long way. That that has taken us a long way. They've been playing pretty good defense.
1: Anthony, when I look at Wisconsin overall, the success that they've had this year, I mean, entering this year, they faced on their schedule seven bowl teams. And, and to be where they are right now at 10-2, and two, they lost their defensive coordinator, Dave Aranda. They lost uh, senior quarterback, Joel Stave. And I feel like the chemistry of this team with Paul Christ is they're playing as a unit on both the offense and defensive lines. Explain that to me. Explain what you see as a former player and seeing the transition from last year to this year. uh, Because I felt at times last year they relied solely on the running attack. And now this year, even though the quarterback play isn't as solid, they're doing it with a redshirt freshman, Alex Hornibrook, and Houston at times. But they're dominating opponents.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're really making the plays they need to make. You know, I I've never been a fan of like a two quarterback system, but they have found a way to make it work. The guys buy into it. Um both quarterbacks have been uh, pretty humble from what I've seen in terms of uh when they rotate in and when they rotate out and they've been supportive of each other and uh, those are kind of staples of the Badger program, you know. We want to we want to be competitors at all times, but you know, we 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 supportively compete with our teammates, you know. <laughs> so I think it's uh that's really good. You know, that's been really encouraging because that's something that I've never really been a a big fan of the two quarterback system. Uh, But they've been, all three units have been playing well, you know, and they've overcome a lot of adversity from injuries on defense, uh, injuries to their kicker. You know, we've had a young kicker step up. Uh, I mean, they've, they've played exceptionally well, you know, and offense has been uh, slow at times, but they've been very resilient. You know, they make the plays when they need to make the plays.
2: Anthony, can, can Corey Clement carry the offense tonight, which he might have to do? We talked about the passing game. Alex uh, looks as if he won't be 100% even though he's available. But how big does Corey have to be in order to get that offense cranking this evening?
3: You know, I, I think it's it's more than just the yardage, you know. it's a, The run game is a staple of the Wisconsin offense. Everybody in America knows this, you know. It does when 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 he hits a, when when the running back hits a big run, it energizes the offense. It creates momentum. It does so much more than gain yardage. You know, people start to believe, the linemen get fired up and they start firing off the ball. I mean, it's just like it's like a a piece of art watching it all unfold. So I really do think he, he's gonna play a key role in keeping the offense energized, keeping the linemen uh engaged and firing off the ball and he's got to finish runs and run like he has like he's never ran before you know um he has to i think he's a i think he's a dynamic back um and i think he's going to he's going to need to finish some runs you know he's going to need to play like like a bat out of hell tonight you know because penn state has a they have a pretty physical defense
1: I love the intensity, Anthony. I, I want to get your feelings about the Big Ten overall. We have two teams in Ohio State and Michigan that played last week in, in one of the most intriguing games in college football. Uh, do you feel either of these teams, Wisconsin or Penn State, how they win tonight, do you feel they're deserving? Should they dominate, will be in the playoff in your opinion? Man, this
3: playoff picture, I think, is giving everybody a headache at this point. It's such a puzzle. You know, I think um, if the winner of this game wins big, I think, I think the Big Ten champion should be in the playoff, um, should be in the college football playoff. I don't know how you would discount the conference champion of what's, what's probably the best conference right now in terms of overall top to bottom in America. You know, uh, I think the Big Ten has been the most competitive and, and best overall conference this season. I would argue that with anyone. And I think the champion of that conference should, in fact, uh, get an automatic bid to to that. Um,
1: Stay to with us, Anthony. Playoffs. We'll take a quick break. Stay with us. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello. Back on College Football Game Day, right here from the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, live from Rockin' Riley's brand new state-of-the-art studio, spanking new. When Rich and I left, we were talking about getting, getting Sermonello a Lisi tattoo across his chest when the Horn Frogs win this game later today in Fort Worth in about an hour and 17 minutes. I love TCU to win by 20 or more. Rich loves K-State. Right. Otherwise, we're walking you down. I'm going fi- to I got to think I'm going to find a tattoo artist now. I'm going to be looking it up. What are you going to get? You want a picture of my face? No, I, I was going to go
2: with the L.I.S.I., <laughs> maybe with the Italian flag colors in there, possibly. Listen, here, here hey, listen here, just to be perfectly clear, the wager is you have you have TCU winning by 20 Plus, yes, uh, so I'll they take have to that win by twenty. Yes. Not just a victory. I I do like K State. I have K State winning twenty six twenty three. You would actually lay nineteen to me. Yes, uh, as a Kansas State, ba- Kansas State backer, he, if it's twenty plus, I have well, to, uh, I have to get the tattoo. Oh, uh,
1: I, I can't wait now. I can't wait to watch. We have our producer Pete <laughs> Considori's in in studio. He marked we just made
2: Kansas State TCU very interesting today. <laughs> well,
1: here's the thing. I mean, I just feel from from this perspective, the way you have to attack K-State is over the top. You have to attack their secondary. Their secondary given up around 260 passing yards per game. Kenny Hill, even though he's not been uh, as prolific and consistent and he's banged up, they're still averaging as a team 291 yards through the air. Supposedly, there's bad weather. I really don't care if there's bad weather or not. I think they have better athletes, more speed on the perimeter, and I think their defense in this particular matchup really favors uh, TCU, along with the fact of Gary Patterson at home. I-, I think this is a bad matchup because I think if K-State falls behind, they're in for a long day. This is not Zach uh, Smith and Baylor. I'm sorry. It's not. You know, can I cut in? Can I cut in,
2: counselor? Yes. Uh, Gary Patterson's last three games at home, by mm-hmm. the way?
1: Yeah. 0-3. Oh, yeah, I know, but who did he play? Oh, Oklahoma-, I- Oklahoma State. Right, was one Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Texas uh, Tech, come uh, on! They lost twenty-seven to twenty-four to Texas Tech. Texas Tech is horrible. They're not even in the bowl season. So different type
2: of offense, though. You don't see. give me Gary Patterson at home. I'm not buying what you're selling there.
1: He's get lost ready for his the tattoo three at home. (laughs) Get ready for the tattoo. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, Rich and I will be talking with Anthony Davis. Keep it where it is, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: You're listening to College Football Game Day on SB Nation Radio. Here are your hosts, Rich Sermonello
1: and Joe Lisi. Live from the Big Apple, continuing our coverage of the Big Ten Championship game. Eight o'clock tonight, number six Wisconsin, number seven Penn State. We have former Wisconsin Badger running back Anthony Davis live on the Progressive Celebrity Hotline. Anthony, talk to me about the the rivalry overall because I feel like it's an under-the-radar rivalry. I mean, Wisconsin and Penn State for years now, for the last decade, have played some solid games. Talk to me about that respect level and what this battle represents as a Badger going up against a Nittany Lion.
3: You know, I think, uh, you know, the Big Ten, almost every game's a rivalry game, you know. I think these are two programs that have a lot of respect for each other. Um, they're, they both build their programs on literally the same type of player, you know, hard-nosed, blue-collar type of guys. I know for a long time Wisconsin has recruited a lot of guys from the Northeast area, the Ohio Valley area, some of the same place. Those are some of the same pockets that Penn State tends to find a lot of guys. I mean, you're going to see programs that have, have, have literally built themselves on the same type of principles playing tonight. Uh, so I think it'll be a great matchup, you know, and, and and it's going to be a physical football game, which is what I'm looking forward to.
2: Anthony, this is slightly off topic, but you talk about Big Ten football, blue collar, you know, we, we all three of us have Midwest-Northeast uh, ties. How bad is it that this game is played indoors on a carpet? I, I mean, does that bother you as a Big Ten player?
3: It definitely does, you know. I it definitely does. I mean, one of the one of my favorite things about watching like the championship games or big games late in the season is when, you know, you when you it, it's real when you see that that breath of, of, of coming out of the players, you know, and like you can see the you can see the linebackers breathing, you know, because it's cold outside. I mean, that just. That adds a whole another level of realness in, in, in to the to the game to me. You know, I just I love cold weather football. So, you know, it's it's, it's I would much rather the game be played outside than, than indoors. That just seems that seems strange to me. So you aren't alone. <laughs>
1: yeah, thanks. I have a perfect uh, stadium for the Big Ten championship game. Soldier Field would be ideal. Right there in oh, the heart yeah. of the Midwest, perfect. watching yeah. a Big Ten championship game. How would you like to watch Soldier Field, Wisconsin, and Penn State, or even Lambeau Field, where they had LSU and Wisconsin, at this time of the year would be fantastic?
3: Yeah, I would love to watch a game in Soldier Field. I think that would be, in my mind, that's a perfect location because it's, 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 it's in the center of Big Ten country. It's not far from any any of the teams, you know, probably with the exception some of the newer teams in the 10, but, you know, I'd love to see the game played there. I think that would be amazing. I really Anthony, uh,
2: yeah. Can you provide a prediction? How, how do you expect things to play out? I'm assuming you're going to go Wisconsin, but uh, what's your take on, on what, what it'll look like in the fourth quarter?
3: You know, I think you're going to see one of those uh, 21-17 type of games. You know, I, I don't see this being a, a, a high-scoring game, to be honest with you. Um, but it all depends. You know, we got some. Uh, there's some legitimate matchup issues. You know, I think uh, for what they can do offensively, we our secondary is really going to have to show that they can defend the deep ball. Um, our linebackers are going to have to play well in zone coverage underneath. Obviously, they had a great tight end. Um, so I think there's some matchup issues that we're going to have to answer. You know, in order to keep them out of to keep the game low-scoring, but I'm, I'm more than confident our defensive coordinator will, will come with a great game plan. The guys will buy in. Uh, but I think this game is not going to be won by more than 10 points. So I, 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 would, I, I would predict like a 21-17 type of game. 24-17 type of game, and, and you're dead on when you sample at you know, Wisconsin. You, you knew that,
1: <laughs> AD. It's always a pleasure. Love the intensity. Love the insight. Next time you're in New York City, you have to check us out in the studio. State of the art. Love to watch football with you, my friend. We hope you enjoyed it today. Oh, absolutely, man. Have a good day, guys. That was. The fourth leading rusher in Wisconsin Badger history. Fourth leading rusher in Wisconsin Badger history. He tore it up in Camp Randall, Rich, and and you, if you've seen him, he could still play today. He's a New Jersey kid from Plainfield. Yep. I mean, just a great, great talent uh, for the Badgers back in his day. And he thinks it's going to be a low-scoring game. So do I. I'm glad that Anthony's off the line now because I do like Penn State in this matchup. (laughs) Yeah, he knows where you live, so (laughs) you don't
2: want to admit that while he was on the air. I I, I like Wisconsin. I've just been on that defense. I I love the way they have no off weeks. Uh, The offense concerns me. I mean, he did bring up matchup problems. He talked about Mike Gacicchi, Chris Godwin on the outside. Trace McSorley's been playing very well for the Penn State uh, offense, But I like Wisconsin. I, I, at this time of year, i got to go with the better defensive team, and that's the Badgers.
1: Well, you are right about the better defensive team statistically. Here's a, a statistic that I broke down for Wisconsin's offense that scares me about this matchup. Over the last five games, they're only averaging 138 passing yards per game a little bit one-dimensional, relying mm-hmm. solely on the running attack. In this battle, they're going to have to mix it up because James Franklin has that defense flying around. When you look at Penn State's defense, I mean, not as good statistically as Wisconsin's, and we'll get into that in next segment. But you look at Penn State's defense overall, plus five in turnover margin. They're holding opposing offenses to 32 32- on third downs and only allowing 145 yards on the ground to opposing offenses. Here's the other thing that I think will be a matter, and we'll have to pick it up at the back end, get your quick thoughts. The feat of Trace McSorley, to me, will be the difference because if you watch that game last week in Camp Randall, they had problems defending Mitch Leidner in the read option. I look for Saquon Barkley and McSorley to break out today.
2: Yeah, I, listen, McSorley has been a perfect fit for Joe Moorhead, the new offensive coordinator at Penn State. You mentioned Barkley, though, Joe. Let's watch his health tonight. Not 100%. They need him to be 100% in order to beat that Wisconsin. D-.
1: And we'll get into that in next segment. We're just getting started. When we come back, Rich and I will talk SEC Championship, ACC Championship. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from the Big Apple, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Rockin' Riley's. Keep it where it is. We're coming right back. Back on the College Football Game Day Show, right here on Fantasy Sports Radio Network, we're still staying on TCU and and Kansas State for a couple of minutes because all I picture is Sir Manella with my name tattooed across his chest, Leesy. Because I, again, when we were talking, I think that the way you attack Kansas State is over the top, Rich, and that's the one thing you mentioned about the lack of success by Gary Patterson in TCU at home. The teams that they lost to were prolific offenses. Kansas State is a methodical blue-collar team. I said this. I tweeted it out. Kansas State could take a whole quarter scoring from the one-yard line. Yeah, listen,
2: I, I don't love the Kansas State offense. It, it's about the defense. It's about the coaching. I'm, I'm also not bullish on the TCU offense because Kenny Hill, the quarterback, has been inconsistent, as you know, Joe, throughout the season. He's not 100%. Kyle Hicks is not 100%. Uh, they're feature back out of the backfield. TCU has been inconsistent, to say the least, up and down all year. And, yeah, they lost to a couple of pretty good teams in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, but that, that loss to Texas Tech – in which they only scored 24 points. You could say prolific passing attack with Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes only uh, got the, uh, the Red Raiders at 27 points. It was TCU's inability to score on that Red Raider defense. So uh, I'd like K-State to win uh, 26-23. I think Bill Snyder has again done a good job in Manhattan.
1: I just tweeted to TCU, Rich Cermorello thinks you're uh-huh. terrible, and Kansas yeah. State wins by 50. So let's hope that's <laughs> a factor in that match. I feel like Rocky Four. I must break you. I feel like Drago.
2: I must break you. If TCU needs motivation from Sermonello, they have bigger problems to deal with.
1: <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. Let's stay in the Big 12. Baylor and and West Virginia, an under-the-radar game. West Virginia 9-2 mm-hmm. overall. Baylor's lost five straight. Statistically, I mean, it, it all favors West Virginia. I'll just say this about Zach Smith. He's got a couple of games now under his belt. I look for yeah. Baylor to play this game very tough. I think West Virginia wins, but I think Baylor loses by a touchdown, I think they'll be able to pass the football on that West Virginia secondary that's given up around 260 yards through the air.
2: Yeah, we differ here. I, I think it's a blowout. I have it West Virginia forty-two twenty-one. Here, here's the quick reason: I think Baylor's already in the off season. Jim Grobe is not coming back next year. Uh, West Virginia has a shot to win ten games for Dana Holgerson and the Mountaineers. That's a big deal. They are at home. I just don't think Baylor shows up.
1: Tonight. We'll break this game down on the back end. Stay with us. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from New York, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Keep it where it is. This is SB Nation Radio,
0: the next generation of sports radio. Kelly's going to run right. He heads to
2: the goal line. Does he break the plane?
0: He does! Touchdown! Oh, man! This is College Football Game Day. Peppers is in the shotgun. He takes the snap. He runs to the left. It's a sweep. He's to the four to the He's three. In. He's in touchdown, Michigan. Here are your hosts, Rich Sermonello and Joe Lisi, back
1: on College Football Game Day, live from Rock and Riley's, right here in New York City, brand new studio, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Rich and I were talking Big Ten Championship. Penn State and Wisconsin will continue that breakdown in the last segment of the show give our predictions when Rich and I had Anthony on we were talking about the SEC championship between Florida and Alabama intriguing game because it is Alabama it is Florida I'll say this that if even if Alabama somehow some way drops this game they're not going to be out of the playoff we've given every team a mulligan up until this point Alabama right now undefeated even if they lose this ball game there's no way they're not making the playoff
2: I totally agree. I mean, I think it's the best team in the country regardless of what happens today. I don't care if they get blown out. We've seen enough of the body of work uh, offensively, but especially defensively to realize that this is the team to beat. They're the heavy favorite to be a national champ for a second straight year. So they do have that mulligan. But I don't expect to see that happen. Well, it, so, it
1: is yeah. a rematch of last year. Alabama won this matchup 29-15. to A little bit different type of team offensively with uh, Florida. They had Treon Harris, who now is no longer with the program. Austin Appleby will need to step up. They did not step up on the road in a rivalry game last week. In Tallahassee against Florida State, this is another athletic quarterback in Jalen Hurts. You look at the statistics in this matchup. Alabama has only allowed two teams, Rich, to rush for 100 yards this season. You want to take a guess on what those two teams were this year in 2016? Uh, I it was Ole Miss. One of them, I know. Ole yes, Miss it was. 101 yes. yards, and the other? I don't know the other one. Texas yeah. A&M in the loss, 33 wow. to 14, rushed for 114 yards on the ground with Trevor Knight, a mobile quarterback, which we know Austin Appleby isn't. Now they ha- they have Scarlet, their running back. That offense in Florida is averaging 141 yards on the ground. They're going to need a much better effort offensively, running the football, to open up the play action passing game. I just don't see it. I mean, when you look at Florida overall, they are handcuffed, and that offensive line has major issues going up against the number one sack unit in college football in Alabama. You're talking about a rush defense that's only allowed 68 rushing yards per game, and they have 41 sacks already. This is going to be a long day, in my opinion, for any type of gator uh, at 4 o'clock this afternoon in Atlanta. And I think they know it. I think Gator fans realize that The only way
2: this is competitive late, Joe, is if you get the non-offensive touchdowns. You're going to need defensive scores, special team scores. Could happen. That would be the necessity because the Florida defense is very good. If you got a couple of early non-offensive touchdowns, they can compete in this game. But you touched on it for me. It really comes down to line play. If you watch how Badly, Florida was mauled by DeMarcus Walker in Florida State uh, last Saturday night. I I can't see how the same doesn't happen every time Del Rio uh, and or Appleby drops back to pass uh, in in Atlanta.
1: Now, there's a couple of factors. You look at statistics in this matchup. The last three SEC championship games won by Alabama have been by 15.5 points per game. So that favors Florida in this matchup. But you look at their pass defense over the last six games, Rich. In four of those six games, they've allowed over 200 yards passing per game. On the year, they're only at 158. So that back end of Quincy Wilson and Jalen Tabor, when you can't stuff the run consistently and and teams start spreading you vertically, now you have holes all over the field the the way Dalvin Cook and, and Florida State did. You can only hold it for so long, and then when your offense doesn't help you out, and you have to go back onto the field after three and outs, you wear down in the second half yeah. of ball games, and that's what we're starting to see out of this Florida defense. Now they're three and three on the road this year. If you know, and again, they had that solid sixteen to ten victory over LSU when nobody gave them a chance to pull that victory out to win the SEC title, the SEC East, and be in this ball game. But you would figure there would be some momentum carryover in Tallahassee. We didn't see it. Yeah, and I think part of it was the sandwich factor.
2: We talked about it last Saturday on the air. You had you know, the, the big emotional goal line stand to beat LSU, and then you're looking ahead to today's game against Alabama. So I, I think it was... Somewhat expected to not get an A game out of Florida. But you got to keep in mind, too, too, that that Florida defense has not been healthy. Uh, They deserve a lot of credit for playing as well as they have throughout the season. Alex Anzalone, the linebacker, has been out. Jared Davis has not been healthy. So they've been using rookie linebackers uh, on the second level. So Florida's done a great job defensively. One final thing is just the intangibles. If Alabama was a different team, if this was... You know LSU or Texas A&M, any other coach, I would say they could be vulnerable because I think they realize that they could lose this game and still go to the playoffs. The fact that it's Nick Saban and his teams are rarely, if ever, down and not focused, I think that's the reason why Alabama rolls easily today.
1: I love picking underdogs when I think they have a chance, and and I just Mm -hmm. can't see it in this matter. now. now, And that's not taken away from Florida. And the other aspect is this. I hate that we say it's expected because as a football player, you expect to win every game. There's no... I heard the media say, well, Alabama could afford to lose this game and still... You don't, you don't think that way as a football mm-hmm. player or a coach, especially Nick Saban. Maybe some programs out, we could drop this game and still win our conference. You That should never be on anybody's mind when you play legitimate any sport. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you go to win every game, and if you try your best and you lose, that's fine. But going in with the emotional mindset that, oh, we could, uh, we could drop this game, we'll get them next week, that's not, I don't even know where that came from anymore, and yeah. I'm sorry to say that, but I don't even want to hear that because on my show and this show, Rich, our show right here, uh, I, that, that we're not having any football player that says that. Mm. I'm sorry, just no way, shape, or form. I will say this about Florida, though. They need to break tendency in this battle uh, from a formation perspective. Jim McElwain is an offensive mind. He needs to utilize formations to get Alabama out of their base defense. Otherwise, they're going to be in for a long day. If, if you're going to play Alabama straight up, man for man, and just say, well, we're going to go between the tackles with Scarlet, We're going to try to outwork them. You're not going to win that type of battle.
2: No, I I, listen. Break tendencies. I'm more concerned as to whether or not they could break ten, and that was actually what I was going to ask you. Double digits. I give you ten. You take the under or the over. I think it's going
1: to be a high scoring game, and the fact of I think Alabama runs away with it later. I think they win this ball game. I said I gave a prediction: 45 to 17. Okay. I just You'll think it's. The high, I, I think the, I just think here's what I look at when I look at Jalen Hurts. He is turnover prone over the last seven games, eight games. He's thrown eight in uh, through the last eight games. He's thrown seven interceptions. So he hasn't been as clean with the football as we would have liked, and and uh, Nick Saban and I'm sure Lane Kiffin would have liked. You look at this defense though. They're holding opposing offenses to 28 percent on third downs. I mean, that's an incredible statistic. Turnover margin is an issue for Alabama because last year they were up in the area of plus 10. This year they're only at plus 2. So uh, that's a concern. You know, you look at Florida, they're at plus 4. In order for them to win this ballgame or have any chance, they need to force Jalen Hurts into mistakes. And uh, and he's shown that ability by throwing a turnover per game over the last eight or seven games. So uh, yeah, will will he have to throw it much? I I think Lane is is smart
2: enough to say, listen, very good defense, terrific secondary. You mentioned Quincy Wilson and Jalen Tabor. I, I think this is a game where you utilize the feet of Jalen Hurts. Uh, on a fast track, you get him outside the tackles where he's very dangerous and less error-prone. So I wouldn't be surprised, particularly if Alabama gets off to a fast start. If Hertz winds up just throwing the ball 15 or 16 times, they may not they may not need more uh,
1: risky passes than than that. And here's the thing about Florida. They should be playing this game loose. What do you have to lose? It has no bearing on on, uh, where, in terms of you're not making the Mm -hmm. playoff. So uh, you're already coming off an arch-rival rivalry loss to Florida State. This is the top team in the country. So why wouldn't you just throw it all out there in in, in terms of lay it all on the line, run, hurry up right for the – kick it on side kick to start the game. I mean, run a fake punt. Do something to
2: try and beat them. I think that's an excellent point, Joe. I'll be really interested to see if McIlwain uh, goes that route because you're spot on. You're not beating Alabama by going toe-to-toe. You're going to have to be unconventional. Pull out the bag of tricks. You might as well give it a shot this time. That, but
1: that's my point. You have Great nothing point. to lose in this battle. I said yeah. 45-17. We'll come back with our breakdown along with the ACC championship game, and we're going to get into this Mountain West battle. San Diego State and Wyoming in Laramie. It's a rematch where Wyoming picked up the victory 36 to 34 keep it where it is this is joe lisi rich Sermonello, live from the big apple fantasy sports radio network coming right back back on the fantasy sports radio network we were talking about baylor and west virginia I'm on Baylor in this ball game. I think they lose a very close ball game. I think it's in the area of 37 to 30. Weather's going to be very cold there, so check that. You look at statistics. Baylor averaging 36 points per game, West Virginia 33 points per game. Defensively is where the Mountaineers have the advantage, only allowing 23 points to opposing offenses, Baylor giving up 31 points per game. But, Rich, you look at this matchup, I know it was a different team with Seth Russell. Baylor did win this ballgame 62-38 to last year. I mean, it's totally different. I think the
2: mindset of Baylor at this point, they're skidding to the finish line, start 6-0, lose the next five. Uh, Jim Grobe is not going to be back next season. They're struggling Badly on both sides of the ball. The defense concerns me. West Virginia is running the ball extremely well. Justin Crawford looks like he'll be healthy and back, but if not, they have good depth in the running game. So I I think West Virginia is, and Dana Holgerson in particular, Joe, is motivated by the possibility of winning 10. That's a big deal for West Virginia. They'll get it. I think they get it easily. I have it 42-21. I think the crowd will be into it, even though there's no Big 12 title on on the line. But Baylor, in my opinion, more than anything else, Joe, I just don't see their motivation. Why they want to be here, a skidding team having to go to Morgantown in the cold. I see zero motivation from Baylor.
1: I agree with that motivation. I agree with you, but we saw a Cincinnati team with zero motivation play Tulsa down to the wire mm-hmm. in overtime. It's, the, it's just what college kids do, I, and that's why I just, I'm going against the grain here. I agree. Statistically, it favors West Virginia. I just think, how do you beat West Virginia? You have to be able to throw over the top, and that's what Baylor does through formations. And, and the fact that Zach Smith now has a couple of games yeah. under his belt. They got blown out in Jerry's world uh, by Patrick Mahomes. I'm not, I'm not taking away from that fact, but it is the last game of the year. Uh, they are probably going to a bowl game. Uh, again, I just look for them to step up and, and be there. Now, I'll just ask you this quick fact. Do you expect Gro? To be on a sideline in 2017. Uh, as a as a fan, possibly, but not as a coach, no. <laughs> when Rich and I come back, we'll be breaking down the Bedlam Brawl in uh, Norman. Stay with us. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Rockin' Riley Studio. Keep it where it is, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football's the best, nothing better. Stay with us.
0: You're listening to College Football Game Day on SB Nation Radio. Here
1: are your hosts, Rich Sermonello and Joe Lisi. Back on College Football Game Day, when Rich and I left, we were talking about the SEC championship game, Florida and Alabama. Both of us like Alabama in this matchup. Rich, I said it was going to be 45-17. to 17. I'm favoring a high-scoring game. You think it's going to be a little more low-scoring, but you still have Alabama dominating this matchup. Yeah, I do.
2: I, I, I think the only way it's as high as you say is if there are unconventional touchdowns, certainly a possibility, hard to predict. I, I have this game 34-9. to nine. I think Florida doesn't get into the end zone. I, I, I see three Eddie Pinheiro field goals is all that Florida can muster. So I, I think they roll easily. Big day for Jalen Hurts possibly getting him into the Heisman discussion. I just don't think this will be competitive after I'm glad you
1: brought that up about Jalen Hurts because we saw Lamar Jackson and Louisville lose last week to Kentucky. He was a shoe in and we saw Ohio State knock off Michigan, so you really can't make an argument for Jabril Peppers at this Mm -hmm. point. I mean, are we starting to bring Jalen Hurts into this into this conversation or uh, nobody's talking about Deshaun Watson at this point? Yeah, I, I mean, if he dominates Virginia Tech later tonight, he's starting to put up some numbers now over the last couple of weeks of the season, even in that loss against Pittsburgh. We have to start mentioning Deshaun Watson in this mix. I think voters are looking for someone else at the end of the day, I believe,
2: because of the numbers and the fast start, the lead that he built. I think Lamar Jackson will win it, but two players today will be instrumental in the Heisman race. You mentioned Watson. I totally agree. prime time eight o'clock. he'll have a shot to improve his Heisman resume and then watch Baker Mayfield, not suggesting he'll win it, but now I'm at a point where I'm looking to see who gets those invites to New York City. if Baker Mayfield plays big and Oklahoma wins to finish the season with a Big 12 title, I would expect to see Mayfield to at least be invited as a finalist to New York City.
1: Well, let's talk about that game before we get to the ACC championship game. It looks like we're running rogue for the next 31 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, 41 minutes. I only had two cups of coffee. I apologize. but <laughs> Those uh, math skills. But when you're talking about uh, this matchup in the Bedlam Brawl, I mean, this was the game two years ago in Norman where Mason Rudolph was the true friend came on and sent that game to overtime, and they got the victory after Oklahoma dominated that matchup. Oklahoma dominated this matchup in Stillwater last year. Now this is a different Oklahoma State team playing much better on the defensive side of the ball. I still think it comes down to the offense of Oklahoma, their ability to mix it up with P. Ryan and Mixon and D.D. D. Westbrook. There's three big wide receivers in this game. Westbrook for Oklahoma, yeah. James Washington, and Jalen McCleskey for Oklahoma State. I mean, you have some offensive talent on both sides. I just think it's a little bit different offense in terms of Oklahoma State this year running the football. They, they're they averaging 169 yards on the ground with Justice Hill, but you remember last year they had quarterbacks quarterback J.W. Walsh that utilized read option gave defenses a little bit more to think about. Now they're just running out of the read in terms of the spread offensive attack a little bit different and easier, easier to defend if you're Oklahoma, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I, that to me is the difference is going to be the ground games. I love the quarterback matchup between Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph, two terrific QBs. Uh, you mentioned the wide receivers. This is a Bolitnikoff Awards dream, with uh, particularly with James Washington and D.D. Westbrook. But the difference for me is going to be the backfield. And Justice Hill's done a great job. First season in Stillwater has been an important part of that offense, but no comparison uh, with Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon. The balance that you get offensively, the physicality, uh, the Oklahoma offensive line, which struggled in the early going, particularly against Houston, has done an exceptional job since. And one final thing to keep in mind is the Oklahoma defense, if we look at the aggregate numbers, the pass defense is horrible. But horrible. if you break that down over the second half of the season, though, Joe, they have gradually gotten better and better and better, and that bodes well this afternoon as well.
1: Well, they have. I mean, after that Texas Tech game, they were ranked, uh, mm-hmm. I did the statistic, 125th out of 126. They were at 342 yards per game, so they've gotten better. But they really haven't been tested by a prolific offense. And they, they play Baylor. They play Baylor and they play West Virginia. Solid teams. But Oklahoma State's averaging 335 yards passing through the air. So they, look for Mason Rudolph to attack this the secondary right mm-hmm. from the get-go. And he loves to go for the deep ball. If you watch Oklahoma State play, they go for the deep ball on the first drive on a post pattern to James Washington at least 90% of the time on the first drive. And look for that in Norman, because if they can strike fast and get into that type of game, I think they have a great shot. But I still like Oklahoma here. No, I I think you summed it up very well.
2: I think Oklahoma State certainly has a good shot. Uh, They have the offensive firepower. Uh, They have uh, Vincent Taylor, their defensive tackle, one of the best interior linemen in the Big 12. And you have Mike Gundy. Uh, who's an elite Big 12 football coach. So they can play with Oklahoma, but I also agree that at the end of the day, it's the Sooners who will win. I have it 42 to 33. I think points will come very quickly, but that offense of Oklahoma just looks unstoppable right now. Not enough top-end defenders for Oklahoma State. I, I, I think the Sooners move on, and Uh, finish with a Big 12 championship.
1: And You talk about Baker Mayfield numbers-wise. I mean, he is lighting it up. I mean, 71% completion percentage, 3,381 yards, 35 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. And we mentioned the wide receivers. I mean, we've seen fantastic wide receivers now over the last couple of nights because did you happen to see the catch by John Ross for that touchdown? One-handed, yeah. yeah. You're talking about two receivers last night and John Ross and Dante Pettis. entering that battle last night against Colorado, 121 receptions, 1,858 yards, 30 touchdown passes between them. And now you have D.D. Westbrook leading the Sooners and James Washington and Jalen McCleskey. I mean, phenomenal offensive talent. uh, D.D. Westbrook, 15 total touchdowns 1,354 yards. I mean, that's a, a, a no joke. And you've seen the type of a transition that Oklahoma wide receivers have made to the next level. Kenny Stills, Sterling Shepard. So there's huge upside here for all of these players at the next level yeah, and he doesn't have, you know, he
2: doesn't have eye popping size. He is just a polished wide receiver. If you really break it down, Joe, runs terrific tight routes, adjusts well to bad balls, uh, has in general really good ball skills. So I agree with your assessment in terms of Stills and Shepard. Dede Westbrook is going to be the next really good. NFL wide receiver.
1: And what he does better than anybody, in my opinion, is he catches the football at the highest point. If you've watched him this year, he can leap better than those guys, and that's not to take away from Stills and Shepard. They were more slot receivers. In my opinion, D.D. Westbrook is a legitimate number one that can play on the outside. He's not a slot guy. He has the physical tools to make it on the next level, and we'll talk about that, but I think Oklahoma wins this battle. I could see it going both ways, Rich, but I have them winning. I think they win this game by about 17 points. Okay. I, think, I think it's 47-30, to 30, but I could see it going either way, but I'm not... I'm not sold on Oklahoma State uh, Mm balance-wise offensively in this matchup.
2: Yeah, listen, I would take the points only because Oklahoma State can score and and the magnitude of this rivalry,
1: but I I would be shocked if they
2: go ahead and uh, beat the Sooners.
1: When Rich and I come back, we'll be talking about that marquee battle in Charlotte, Deshaun Watson and Clemson taking on Gerard Evans and head coach Justin Fuente. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from the Big Apple, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, coming right back. Back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Rich and I are going to break down this game. It's an intriguing battle. Louisiana Tech and Western Kentucky Conference USA Championship starts at 12 o'clock. Rich, I do not like Skip Holtz. I know he's brought success to La Tech, but again, I have my reasons uh, why I don't like him. I didn't like what he did when he moved from East Carolina to USF, uh, took on, taking over for Jim Levitt there. I feel he ran that program into the ground. Everything Jim Levitt built, he has success at La Tech here. But again, I look at it overall, I look at it as the residual effects of what Sonny Dykes brought there in terms of talent. Yeah, listen. I think Skip deserves more credit than I don't know what why you have a problem with Skip. You have a problem. He had with B.J. Luke too. He I had mean. B.J. Daniels as quarterback and never I utilized know, but, him athletically. He never did, and I understand why Levitt's now no longer the head coach at South Florida had issues with the treatment of players. I get that, but he had that team at number two in the country with B.J. Daniels before him, Matt Grothy. I mean, this he had that Joe, team yeah. to respectability,
2: but. You're litigating the past. I, I, I think we need to look at the present of what Skip has done in Ruston, and he's done a terrific job. I Listen, I wasn't a fan of Skip Holtz during the South Florida days either. He did a horrible job. And now we see Willie Taggart uh, bringing South Florida Thank to, the, God. to the heights. Yeah, to the heights that, that they should be. It's, it's a program with a lot of potential. But I like what he has done at Louisiana Tech. I mean, he's, he's taken cast off quarterbacks over the past couple of years, Cody Sokol. Right? Iowa right. quarterback a couple of years ago, uh, Jeff Driscoll. Florida cast-off, has success in Ruston last year. Now you have Ryan Higgins who was a journeyman throughout his career at Louisiana Tech, and he's lighting it up with a couple of thousand-yard receivers. So, listen, I, I, I think Skip should stay where he is. If somebody calls for a promotion, don't take it. You're doing a good job at Louisiana Tech. But I do think he deserves credit. I I, I think he's done a really nice job we'll with that see. Program.
1: We'll see. I love what Brahms done with Western Kentucky. You want to talk about quarterbacks, former USF yeah. quarterback Mike White's putting up some numbers in his system, even though people say, well, Brandon Dowdy left. He was a system guy. Well, he's putting up dynamic numbers as well. Mm 3,600 yards passing, 67% completion percentage, but he looks like a confident quarterback. And Brian Brom coaches up talent as well. I think they have a significant speed advantage here. I think they dominate this matchup by about – Really? I I do. I think 24 points they played in this game last year and dominated Southern Miss and Chucky Mullins. Yeah, but you know who dominated when these two teams met
2: earlier this season? It really was Louisiana Tech. I mean, Louisiana Tech, that's that's the reason why I think this is competitive. I like the Hilltoppers. I think they win 45-40, to 40, but when they
1: met well, earlier this year, Tech we'll, did a really we'll, nice job we'll ta- against question. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello.
0: You're listening to College Football Game Day on SB Nation Radio. Here are your hosts, Rich Sermonello and Joe Lisi.
1: Back on College Football Game Day right here from the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studios in New York City. The most intriguing battle to me is the ACC Championship between Virginia Tech and Clemson Rich. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. I look at Virginia Tech overall. It, they have the recipe. And what I mean, I said it earlier in the show, to beat uh, teams in conference championships, you need to, A, be well, uh, have a, a solid road uh, record, which they do, 4-2 and two overall. They have third down defense, and they can run the football effectively and shut down the run. So to me, I look at Virginia Tech here. Uh, the one thing that stands out for me, 26% on third down conversions holding opposing offenses. When your defense forces three and outs and puts pressure on opposing offenses to match you score for score, uh, you'll be in each and every ball game, and that's why I like Virginia Tech here. I know you so well, Joey. I was,
2: I was gonna. <laughs> we did not talk, by the way, about this game during the week. I knew you were gonna like Virginia Tech. I, I love Virginia Tech today. I knew it. I know you look for that upset. I knew this was gonna be your pick, and, and I and I see the logic. Virginia Tech has been a little bit up and down, and in, in Justin Fuente's first year, but largely he's done a terrific job. They do have defensive speed, very good in the back end, uh, to to. Uh, sort of combat Deshaun Watson. The reason why I like Clemson, and I think this will be a close game as well, I think Clemson pulls away late, is just the experience factor. They've been here before. Their coach has been here before. Their quarterback has been here before. They've won titles. They've played in big games. I think it's nip and tuck throughout Clemson maybe gets a late score. I have it 37-24 Clemson, but I think it'll be closer than the score
1: indicates. Well, well I have other points, so bear with me here. Now, you look at Clemson. And I've been the biggest Clemson backer for for the last year and a half, two years. I picked them last year at the start of the year to make the playoff. They did, and I thought they would knock off Alabama. All right, they got close and didn't do it, but they played very mm-hmm. well. Here's the thing. You look at Clemson. Let's talk defense. I mean, lights out defense. There's only been two teams this season against Clemson that have completed more than 60% of their passes. I'll ask you again. You want to take a guess on what those two teams were? Tell me. Louisville and Lamar Jackson, 61%, and Syracuse in that blowout loss, 60%. Mm. The Outside of those two teams, they've held opposing offenses to 146 completions out of 298 attempts. That's 48%. They're playing lights out defensively. They're only giving yeah. up 127 yards on the ground and only 180 passing yards per game to opposing offenses. Here's the thing, though, when I look at Clemson offensively. Last year in 2015, during that run to the national championship – In 11 of their 15 games, they ran for over 200 yards per game. This year, they only have five. Now, granted, two of those five have come over the last two weeks. But you look at Deshaun Watson. He's only averaging uh, less than five yards per carry this year. He's only got 444 rushing yards on the ground, four rushing touchdowns. Last year, Rich, he had 1,100 yards on the ground and 12 rushing TDs. Not the same offense. And I look at Virginia Tech here. They're not North Carolina's defensive front. Last year, North Carolina allowed 247 per game on the ground last year. This year, Vrata Tech only given up 146 yards to opposing offenses. I think they can make Clemson one-dimensional at certain times and get off the field and give the football back to their quarterback, Gerard Evans.
2: I just think that Clemson is a championship-caliber squad. And, and, and we know that at times this year they took their eye off the ball. They struggled you know, with the likes of Troy. They almost lost, should have lost to NC State. But now that they're at the precipice of another ACC title, another playoff berth, I think this is where we see the better Deshaun Watson. Here's a matchup that would concern me if I was on uh, Virginia Tech tonight offensive line is okay i don't love the virginia tech offensive line possibly with the exception of wyatt teller uh, on the inside i think they're going to get dominated by the defensive line of clemson that deep rotation christian wilkins carlos watkins dexter lawrence it goes on and on i think that's where evans has problems in this magnitude of a game Evans versus Watson, to me, is a mismatch. That's why I think Clemson survives. They'll be shaky because they've been shaky all year, but they'll win.
1: Well, I have Clemson winning, and I didn't get to my prediction yet, but I just think it's going to be – I think they'll – again, I think Vatek will be in striking distance. Now, when I look at the recipe offensively to beat Clemson, you have to look at Pittsburgh, obviously, because they they put pressure Mm -hmm. on the perimeter. They put pressure through a rushing attack with James Conner. And even though Nate Peterman wasn't a mobile quarterback, Virginia Tech has Gerard Evans, and that. And so you look at Virginia Tech overall; they have McMillan, their running back, they're running for 191 yards on the ground. But they have the big three. Forget Gerard Evans for a second; they have the big three in terms of offensive playmakers at the skill positions. They have tight end Bucky Hodges, Isaiah Ford, and Cam Phillips, their wide receivers. Those three players combined are, are have 169 receptions. 2,323 yards and 18 receiving touchdowns. The one thing that Justin Fuente can do is, formation-wise, utilize different formations to get Hodges on nickelbacks and linebackers. And again, what do they have to lose? They have nothing to lose playing Clemson here because they're already in the ACC championship game. They're not going to the playoff. They should be a really loose team, and I expect Fuente to really throw it all out in terms of the kitchen sink because, I mean, I, there's nothing to lose here. You don't think they'll be tight, though? I mean, this, this is you a think team that has be played.
2: I do. I do because this is a team that has not been – none of these kids have ever played in an ACC title game. Last I don't think Virginia it matters, though. Here. I mean – well, what about I, Evans, though? I mean, Evans was a JUCO quarterback last year. Now he's playing in the ACC title game against the best defensive talent that he has ever seen. So I, I don't, I don't, I yeah, I do think that Gerard Evans will be tight tonight. Well, Josh.
1: we'll see. Here's the thing: I look at Evans. I looked at that game with 160,000 plus in Bristol, Tennessee. He played very well. I mean, if you want to talk about being outplayed. Tennessee got outplayed offensively by Virginia Tech. The reason why Tennessee dominated that matchup earlier in the year in Bristol was the five turnovers that Virginia Tech uh, gave to Tennessee in their own territory. Other than that... Virginia Tech moved the football at will. At one point, they had a 14 to nothing lead because of Gerard Evans. And I look at this team overall, battle tested. They beat North Carolina. They beat Pittsburgh. They beat Duke and Notre Dame all on the road. The only two games that Virginia Tech didn't show up on the road or on a neutral field site one of them was Bristol uh, against Tennessee, and the other was against Syracuse. And now I can't make any explanation for that. Sure. They were just it happens. flat. You know, a young team. But I look at that matchup against Notre Dame. They came back from a 17-point deficit when they could have folded. Now, I'm not saying Notre Dame is Clemson. But they, they showed resolve, and they showed the ability to bounce back. I just don't think they – yeah, it's, it's Clemson. In my opinion, Clemson, best team in the ACC. But I just don't, I, I just don't think they'll, they'll feel them enough to be tight in this battle.
2: At what point is, is it over? I mean, is this is this a game in the final five minutes? I mean, would, how, yeah, how deep-
1: I think it is. I mean, okay. th- here's the thing: I I, I look at the, last year, people say, well, th- they beat uh, North Carolina last year. Marquise Williams in North Carolina were turnover prone. He was a turnover machine. He wasn't as big in terms of stature as Gerard Evans, and North Carolina didn't have the tight end big play capability of Bucky Hodges. They had Ryan Switzer, they had Mac Collins and Bug Howard, who were legitimate wide receivers. Bucky Hodges is a hybrid. He's a guy that you could put him in the slot, utilize him. You look at that matchup against Notre Dame. They utilized him in the red zone. He's 6'6". So I think that that's a factor. And I just think that their offensive-defensive lines will be into this ballgame. And Bud Foster, nobody talks about Bud Foster, but he's Mm -hmm. a solid D coordinator that's been there before.
2: One of the best in the country. Certainly knows that personnel. He's been there for, what, about two decades now?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have this game going down to the wire and I have Clemson winning it 34 to 30. You have Clemson winning a 13 I, I point battle. Yeah, 37-24. I, I, I
2: think it'll be 30-24 to 24 at the start of the fourth, and, and Clemson shuts the door.
1: Ah, wow. We'll see how it plays out. That game is marquee ABC, 8 o'clock tonight. Vodtech-Clemson, keep it where it is. When Rich and I come back, we'll be breaking down San Diego State and Wyoming Mountain West Conference Championship. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Keep it where it is. Back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Rich and I were talking about the Conference USA Championship game, La Tech and Skip Holtz against Jeff Brom and Western Kentucky. I like Western Kentucky here. We, I, I think it's a speed factor. I think they dominate this game now. Under and over in this game, Rich, is 80. So, I mean, no mm. shock there. I'll say even though they lost this battle 55-52 to earlier in the year at home, I, th- I like the Hilltoppers. Plus, they're going to be rocking great uniforms. I mean, they'll probably have the chrome, <laughs> you know, the yep. chrome helmets out today. Mike White will probably pass for 575 mm-hmm. yards. I-, I I'll say 63. I'll throw a number out there: 63 <laughs> to 40. 63 to 40, 100 points I agree on the 40,
2: yeah. I have the 40. (laughs) I I have La Tech at 40. I have Western Kentucky at 45. I think it'll be more competitive. I like the weapons uh, on the Bulldog side of the field. Western Kentucky's the better team. I think they win. Being at home is going to help. One matchup to watch, especially if you're an NFL fan, Jalen Ferguson, Louisiana Tech defensive end versus Forrest Lamp left tackle of Western Kentucky, one of the best pass protectors in the country. That's going to be an issue. We'll talk a lot about the speed guys, all the receivers, Taiwan Taylor and Carlos Henderson, but that matchup at the line of scrimmage will go a long way to determining how much time Mike White has in the pocket.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And you look at this defense overall by both teams. Western Kentucky, a lot better statistically. I mean, they're only allowing 22 points per game. La Tech giving up 30 points to opposing offenses. I mean, both secondaries have been suspect this year. They're La Tech giving up 272 uh, per game to opposing quarterbacks. Western Kentucky, 249, but both teams very solid in run support. La Tech, 126 yards per game. Western Kentucky, 106. So that can be a factor in this battle, which team could shut down the run effectively. We'll get the W later today.
2: Yeah, Louisiana Tech also has 42 sacks. I mentioned Jalen Ferguson, so pressure will be a key part of their defense as they try to slow down that Western Kentucky attack. Biggest Biggest victor in this game, though, is the fans. I think it'll be a very entertaining ballgame.
1: It should be. It was an entertaining game last year between Western Kentucky and Southern Miss, so we'll see how it plays out. I like Western Kentucky. Rich likes La Tech. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, coming right back. You're listening to College
0: Football game day on sb nation radio here are your hosts rich sermonello and joe lisi
1: last segment of the show right here on the fantasy sports radio network we're talking acc championship va and clemson rich it's it sort of resembles last year's game against north carolina where clemson could jump out to a big lead but Again, I expect a loose team here. I mean, I think you throw caution to the wind. Hokies let it all hang out. And and I think this game, to me, is the most intriguing out of all of them. And the last one we'll talk about is the Big Ten because I have an upset there as well. But uh, these two games tonight really, uh, for me, are what makes this playoff very intriguing to see who comes out on top at the end of the day. Totally
2: agree. I I, I think there will be high drama tonight, as college football always is at this time of year. It's going to look like we know exactly what to expect, who the four teams are going to be. But Clemson holds the key to what happens in that final spot. And the fact that that game will be coming down to the wire around midnight, probably, I think it will be close. I just think Clemson wins the fourth quarter. First three quarters will be back and forth. Very close game. Tigers win the fourth, go on to take the ACC
1: title. Yeah, quick stats. uh, VodTech averaging 35 points per game. They're passing for 261, running for 191. Clemson averaging 40 points per game, rushing for 172 yards on the ground. Passing for 336 through the air. So expect fireworks a little bit later tonight in Charlotte. Let's turn to the Big Ten Championship game. For me, it does come down to Trace McSorley. He's a confident quarterback heading into this battle. And I just like James Franklin in terms of the motivation factor. If you watch James Franklin as head coach at Vanderbilt in bowl games, in big games, always had his teams ready. I know both of these teams are hot. And statistically, defense favors Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. but I'm going with the better quarterback, in my opinion, because Hornibrook is listed as questionable. We don't know. He had the concussion, doesn't he? Is it going to be Bart Houston? It really doesn't matter. Both of those guys are sort of resemble each other. The one X factor for me is McSorley's mobility.
2: Yeah, listen, it's got to be McSorley if you think Penn State's going to win. But here's the reason why I go Wisconsin. Yes, we we agree, obviously, Badgers have the better defense. But think about this number. We throw stats out there sometimes. No one has a better pass-defense ratio than the Badgers. They've allowed eight touchdown passes, and they have 21 picks. So an 8-21 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, that's what McSorley has to go up against. So, yes, you bring up his feet. He's going to have to use those feet. I don't think he'll be successful. I think Anthony Davis had it sized up very well. It's going to be low-scoring. It's going to be close. It's going to be won by the Badgers. I have it, Wisconsin, 23-20 to 20 in another
1: entertaining Big Ten championship. Now, game. Big Ten championships have been very close throughout the way, and the underdog seems mm-hmm. to have stepped up in recent years, although Iowa didn't get the victory last year against Miss, Michigan State. They did play very well and have the lead uh, until that 22-play drive at the end of the game with eight minutes left. But you want to look at a common opponent of both teams. How about we could look at two. We could look at Michigan and Iowa Iowa got dominated by Penn State and Happy Valley 41 to 14. Wisconsin went into Iowa and won a very gutty game there. So I mean uh, a very low scoring game they won that ball game 17 to 9. So a little bit different you look at uh, Michigan dominated Penn State overall in Ann Arbor and Wisconsin lost in Ann Arbor 14 to 7. So and, and you know Ohio State as well 30 to 23 and they lost in Happy Valley. I think, it's a, I think it's a great night for the Big Ten. I mean, we'll talk about
2: breakdown and predictions. I think it's a great night for the Big Ten because the marquee teams obviously are Ohio State and Michigan heading into the season right up until last week's game uh, in Columbus. But the fact that the Big Ten can put Penn State out advertise that school tonight, advertise Wisconsin out of the Big Ten West. I think this really exemplifies how deep this conference has become and why they are the best conference in college football right now.
1: Well, they are playing like the best conference in college football because you you can make the argument against the SEC because from top to bottom, we haven't seen the continuity and the success of the the bottom teams in in the conferences. So again, Bowl season will dictate what the best conference is. We've seen it year mm-hmm. in and year out. Just when we thought the SEC was on a down year uh, during the regular season, they stepped up in bowl, uh, bowl season. So I just don't think when you break this game down – let me ask you this. Would you be shocked if it's a shootout tonight? Because I have Penn State winning this matchup 20-14. to Would you be shocked yeah. if this game is 49-46 either team? Yeah. Yeah, I would be surprised because I think the best
2: talent in this game is on the defensive side of the ball. Wisconsin has not uh, played in any shootouts this season, so it would be a surprise. Now, it is indoors. Uh, it's on a carpet. Uh, you never know what could happen. But I, I would be surprised if either team gets into the 30s tonight.
1: Yeah, it, it should be intriguing. What's your final score for this matchup? I have 20-14 to 14 Penn State getting the victory and throwing a whole monkey wrench Tuesday mm-hmm. morning for this college football playoff.
2: Yeah, I have it, Wisconsin 23, uh, Penn State 20.
1: Wow, it'll probably uh, be uh, one team 50 to 48 <laughs> yeah. in overtime, right?
2: <laughs> every yeah, why time, not, right?
1: Every time we see that, uh, this is what it's all about. I mean, is there another... Uh, I, I, I mean, it, would you be shocked when you look at the San Diego State-Wyoming game? It's a rematch of last year, mm-hmm. uh, last week, uh, last month, excuse me, tongue-tied there, 36-34. to 34. I have San Diego State getting revenge so here because of yeah. their ability with Denzel Pumphrey to run between the tackles. Beyond Pumphrey, something looks wrong
2: with San Diego State, but I think they rise up against Wyoming. I like their defensive talent, DeMonte Kazee on the back end. Uh, They have next-level players on that defense, so I do think they get revenge. If Craig Bowl wins this game, I mean, he could be a candidate for coach of the year at Wyoming. It,
1: excellent point for me when I look at that matchup. It's, it's San Diego State's ability to run on a Wyoming defense, giving up 199 mm-hmm. rushing yards per game. We'll see how it plays out. Stay with us each and every Saturday right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network for Rich Sermonello. This is Joe Lisi. Enjoy the games. Have a great weekend, everyone. Back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, last segment of the show. Rich, I just want to let you know I talked to our producer, Pete Considori. We're going to be posting a picture of the tattoo you're going to be wearing in about three hours after TCU rocks Kansas State. I'm going to be tweeting you all day during this game. I'm I'm going to sit, sit down and watch this game front and center stage. I'm going to be
2: praying to the Church of Latter-day <laughs> Jesse Ertz this afternoon because, by God, just don't lose by 20, Kansas State. I,
1: if they I, fall behind time. 14 to nothing in this – and everybody, I'm telling you, everybody yeah. I talk to, oh, Kansas State's good, right? Yeah, they're great. I keep telling them. Great. Wait yeah. until Saturday. Can't wait till we yeah. do the show with Rich. I my about- marriage might my marriage might depend on, on Jesse <laughs> Ertz this afternoon. How frightening is that? <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have it so, it's going to be prison-like. You know, I'm going to have it like all, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. blocked out letters, yep. you know, dark, yep. you know, uh, missing some ink where you might have to go back a few times, you know what I mean? Nice. Get, You yep. know, it's yep. going to look good. I can't Dirty wait. Dirty needles. <laughs> We'll see how it plays out. It's in three minutes. Rich loves Kansas State to keep this game close. Are you, I didn't get your call to to to, oh, to, yeah. you're calling Oh, yeah. Oh, I got them winning. Yeah, it's yep. a four-point spread. I have TCU winning this game 40 to 20, right at 20 points. They, yeah. they don't say need the points. No points. We'll see how it plays out. I don't out. even want them. I okay. don't want the points. Here's I a pick. I'll just throw a pick out there. I like mm-hmm. Arkansas State to rebound. They lost last week, but I think they're way too physical. Yeah. Offense and defensive lines, they're playing Texas State tonight laying 24-and-a-half. To me, it doesn't matter. I think they win this ball game by 35 points or more later tonight. Yeah, tough stumble by Arkansas State, but largely
2: Blake Anderson, the head coach, has done a good job. I think they bounce back, get a share of the Sunbelt Conference Championship. Texas State is the worst team in that league, and I think they'll show it tonight in San Marcos.
1: And I'll give a slight upset. Georgia Southern outright over Troy. Triple option takes over, even though Troy has the better record this year. Bad job by Tyson
2: Summers at Georgia Southern. They've had a rough year. Troy, to me, is still arguably the best team in that league.
1: We're just getting started. Stay with us each and every Saturday right here, at Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football is the best every Saturday, 10 to 12, for Rich Sermonello. This is Joe Lisi. Enjoy the games and tweet us at GoForTheTwo at Rich Sermonello. Have a great weekend, everyone.